0: in uh, First Peter to wrap that up next Sunday. Uh, but ri- First Peter is a rich book, and it deals a lot about suffering because Peter is writing to Christians that have been scattered due to persecution. So they're in modern-day Turkey, okay? Um, it wasn't called Turkey back then. It was called Asia, Cappadocia, and, and other things, okay? But th- that is where they scatter due to persecution. They're trying to find a safe place that they can raise their families, they can live out their life. Um, And so, um, in the midst of that, Peter is coaching them how they are to live their life as believers. And I believe that in American culture, we really don't know what to do with suffering um, because I think we usually see that as a sign that I'm doing something wrong. Okay? The car breaks down and we go, oh, what's our first instinct? You know, did I pay my tithe? Did I do this? Did I do that? You know, God must be mad at me. Um, Or we get a health issue and we go, oh... You know, um, we kind of look back at our over life. Now, maybe there are times that God is getting our attention. I'm not going to deny that. There are times that God wants to say, Hello, you forget about me, you're off track, I want to bring you back. But there's times that we are right in the will of God. And even in the will of God that sometimes you're going to endure suffering. And if you don't agree with me in that, think of Jesus Was he in the will of God going to the cross? Yeah, he was, wasn't he? In fact, that night, he is betrayed. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, God, if there's any other way that you can accomplish this, I'm all in. But if it's your will, I'm going to go through this. I'll walk through the cross because it's going to mean salvation. All right? And so he was in the very will of God following the voice of the Father, but it meant going through suffering to die on the cross, to be insulted, to be humiliated so that we could know what salvation was. So, Peter is writing to believers that are in a difficult moment in in church history and in history in general. And he's writing to them um, to encourage them. But also, he kind of, he doesn't, he's kind, but he also is pretty direct with them saying, hey, this isn't a time just to be taking it easy. This isn't time to be licking your wounds. It's a time to be the church. All right? And so that's kind of where he's directing us uh, this morning. So I've entitled the message this morning, In the, vit- in the Midst of Adversity. And just three things that we're going to pull out of there. You could probably pull a lot more out of there because we are going to cover a lot of ground. But we're going to boil it down to three. And then you can take it through the rest of the week and, and let God speak to you. So before we begin, let's bow our, he- our heads in prayer. And just invite God's presence. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord God. And we thank you for the privilege to be here today, Lord. And uh, we just continue to pray for our nation uh, just as uh, the vaccines get out there. And we just pray for an end to this pandemic, Lord God. And I pray your protection over people. But more important, Lord God, Lord, we even just pray that you would just bless our time together as we study your word. Make it come alive to us, God. Uh, speak a word to us today. Make those words jump off the page and speak hope, life, strength to us, encouragement, direction, correction. Whatever the case may be, God, speak to us this morning, we pray. We ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. I did reference a book last week entitled In His Steps. I do have my copy here. You can look at it. You can't have it. But you can look at it, all right? Um, so it is here. It's a classic and it's just a, it's a thought-provoking book. And so it's based upon that um, verse in chapter 2, verse 21. It says, follow in His steps. So it's entitled in His steps. All right, let's begin verses 8 through 12 of chapter 3. Peter then says, finally, all of you be like-minded and be sympathetic. Love one another, okay? man. And this, so this isn't just talking about love people outside the church walls are building, right? It's really directed towards love one another, the ones that are like you, okay, brothers and sisters in Christ. That is a dominant theme through Peter, through Paul, and even the words of Jesus. Jesus, in His last prayer, some of His last prayers, saying, God, may they be united, right? Um, may they work together. So that idea of unity, love one another, be compassionate and humble, Do not repay evil with evil, insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessings. Wow. Think about that. Because of this, you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. So God's called us to better things. And He wants to keep our focus on what's important. For whoever would love life and see good days, must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and he, 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 His ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So let's look at these first few verses here. You know, isn't it the human nature get revenge? They hit me, I'm going to hit them back, Right? right? They insulted me. I am going to insult them back. You know what? We even do that in our marriages, don't we? We can, right? Oh, man, they said that, and we take out that knife from the past, that thing, <clears throat> we get them back, right? We have to get even. You know what? It's not healthy for a marriage. It's not healthy within the body of Christ. It's not healthy even outside. When we're Mingling with people when we're with people at work, at school, out in the community, it just doesn't work. But that is human nature to seek revenge. And there's even TV shows that over the past years that have talked about revenge. And we sometimes celebrate that, right? We're going to get revenge. And uh, you know what? I don't think revenge over, always feels as good as we would think it would, right? It doesn't always uh, make us feel satisfying. Why does God want us to bless instead of insult or do evil towards others? Why? You ever thought about that? I have. Why? I I, I don't know all the reasons, but I, I will tell you one of the reasons is because it leaves rooms for God's judgment. Often when we retaliate, do we retaliate at the same measure that somebody inflicted us? Do we go eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth? You know why that was there? It's because somebody could maybe take out our tooth and we say, man, I'm just going to take them out, period, right? Often we overreact, don't we? And our punishment was worse than the crime, okay? And so in the Old Testament, when he talked about eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, it was the idea is that he didn't want people to overreact and make judgment worse than it actually was. Why does God want us to bless people instead of curse them, insult them, do evil? Is because it leaves room for God's judgment. Because one day we're all going to stand before God, and we are going to have to give an account of all that we've done, both good and bad. And we leave room for God to judge justly, and He will do it uh, fair and equitably. All right? We leave room for God's judgment. Not, and then we go into heaven with our hands clean, not dirty. Say no, oh, man. I shouldn't have done that. Right? Just think about if, in the case where, if somebody murdered a family member of yours, God forbid, right? And you went out there and you you, you took their life, you would have to go into eternity knowing that you had taken somebody's life. Now, maybe it maybe was just, okay, maybe it was justified, but you still have to leave, live with that, right? Some things we have to leave in God's hands, and we let God be the judge. We bless. We don't curse. We don't insult. God sees it all. So what are we supposed to do in the midst of adversity? The first one is, I've kind of hit upon it, bless and don't seek revenge. Bless and don't seek revenge. And I'm going to, if you want to go back in your Bible just a little bit to Romans 12, Paul so you're going to see just a lot of similarities. I've referred to both Paul and Peter throughout this, and I don't think I've got them mixed up once. I keep thinking I'm going, to get, I'm going to say Paul when I mean Peter and Peter when I mean Paul, but I haven't done it so far. Paul says in Romans 12, 9 through 21. And Chris caught my typo there, so you got that right, right? 9 through 21. Let's what, see what Paul says. It says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Okay, repeats almost word for word what Peter says. Honor and love one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keeping your spiritual fervor, your passion, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Did you know hospitality is a gift, a spiritual gift? Did you know that? So if that's just kind of your niche... You you know it's necessary in the church, but it's also it's a gift. Um, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited, prideful. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Sometimes that's hard, folks. It's hard. I'm not going to lie. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. See, that's where God is going to be the judge. And God has never called us to move into that judging role. And Sometimes we say, hey, God, I'm good at it. Man, I'm, we jump in there. And, but here's the deal. We don't know all the facts. We don't know all the details. God sees it all. He sees it all. and He's, able, he's the righteous judge. He's going to judge all things. It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, what? Feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, and so in a lot of your Bibles, this is set apart because it's coming from Jesus, Matthew. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head or her head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, this is just so countercultural folks isn't it and even within the church even within you know we have christ within us even this it still stretches us folks if we we're to be honest it does me i don't know maybe you're more spiritual than i am i told denise about one of my transgressions i you know went to the customer service desk at a certain place Denise was there, and afterwards, I thought, oh, no, I hope Denise didn't see me. (laughs) But I could tell they weren't giving me the time of day. They were blowing me off, and I was just trying to get an answer. I I did raise my voice a little bit. Finally, I got the answer. got all worked out, but I did feel bad about it because it's kind of like, oh, you know, did I act the way I was supposed to act is what I thought about and Then I thought, oh, Denise probably saw me. (laughs) she did, but I had to confess. All right. It's good for the soul, right? Let's go on to the next few verses, 13 through 22. So I have to go back to Peter here. All right. Verse 13. "'Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed.' Do not fear, notice how fear and all this is kind of woven into this next verse. Do not fear their threats or, or be frightened, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to the reason for the hope that you have within you, but do this with gentleness and respect. So we're going to come back to that. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you or your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if God, if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So in other words, Peter's not having any sympathy for you if you suffer for doing bad things. He's not having it. For Christ also suffered once for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God He was put to death in the body but was made alive in the Spirit and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. So we're not going to spend a lot of time in that. If only a few people, eight and all, were saved through water, and this water symbolizes baptism, which, also symbol, which saves you. So baptism, we believe that after you are saved, you should be baptized. So we'll be having our baptismal service June. So that's a couple months away, but, you know, if that's you, we need to talk. All right? It is a pledge of a good conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Christ, who has gone into heaven, is at God's right hand, with angels, authorities, powers, and submission to Him. I want to drill down and just focus a little bit on on verse 15 there. And my screen just went dark. All right, here we go. Peter says, be prepared to give an answer for anybody that asks you. All right? to share your hope, to give an answer. So that's what the NIV says. If you have a different translation, it may be words it a little differently. But it is that Greek word there to give an answer that we get our word. Anybody know? Apologetics. How many have heard apologetics? Okay, you've heard that. Apologetics is where you defend the faith. You were able to defend the faith. So apologetics is able to... uh, be able to defend the faith, maybe to somebody that doesn't believe, to defend the faith, okay? It means more than, uh, there's another term for false teaching, okay? But apologetics means to be able to give, uh, defend your faith, and to present a case for Christ. So there's a book, A Case for Christ. I think that's Lee Strobel, and and there's others out there. Josh McDowell has one, The Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Those are all apologetic books that help you to explain your faith and even talk to somebody that, um, yeah, you know, we sometimes will say that this is what Scripture says. Well, they may not even believe Scripture, right? So you're going to have to start off with something else and uh, on their terms, on their level, to defend the faith. So that's where we get that word apologetics. It says that we should be able to defend, that we should be able to explain, to give an answer to those that are seeking that answer from us. You know, can you do that? Can you defend your faith? If somebody was to walk up to you today and say, hey man, I've noticed, man, you have a joy in your heart and your life. What do you got that I don't have? Are you able to share Christ with them? You don't have to know everything, but you should be able to say, hey, yeah, it begins with a relationship with Christ. I invited Christ in my life, so you can tell your story. But then you also need some verses to talk about, hey, you need to put your faith in Christ. Romans 10, confess Jesus with your mouth. And believe in your heart, and you will be saved, right? For the wages of sin, Romans 3.23 uh, and 6, right? Uh, For for all of sin, that's Romans 3.23 and falling short of the glory of God, but Romans 6 says that, hey, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We should be able to point them to some of those scriptures to defend our faith and to share our faith. Now, the context here is right even in the midst of adversity. You catching that? In the midst of our adversity. Did you know that some of the most opportune times that you are going to have to share your faith is when you are down in the valley? Did you know that? Because people are looking at your life and they think, oh man, I know that they just had a vehicle go out. I just know that they had a health issue. I know this. And yet there's still a faith, there's still a strength there. And see, that opens up the door to share our faith. So, we are headed up to Lincoln Friday night for a building dedication at another church. And um, we were heading up there and Amy was talking to Mary Boyer. So Mary Boyer kind of got some bad news this week. We're going to pray for her at the end of the service here um, and lift her up. But so my Amy was just telling me, yeah, she was kind of giving me a rundown of what Amy, uh, Mary had said. And she goes, yeah, and she's just really hoping that this time is going to open up the door for her to share Christ with other people. And I thought... Did Mary get a look at my notes? (laughs) And um, because, you know, it's kind of like, that's what the message was about. And often we, we can lick our wounds and, you know, Mary, you had a good cry, I hear. Yeah. But it's an opportunity to share our faith. And I appreciate that perspective. And, and it's hard to realize it sometimes because, you know, in those tough times, we're, we're, we're thinking, how am I going to pay the bills or what am I going to do health-wise? You know, there's some things that are out of our control or it seems like the world is against me. And it's in, the, in those moments that God can allow our light to shine. If you look at church history, folks, that is when the testimony of the church was the strongest. Is in those moments and the difficulties. And in China, if you want a more modern-day example, in China, under persecution, the church thrived in China. It's probably now, and now they're going back into some of those difficult hours. The the climate in China has changed, Um, but it's in those difficult moments that the witness of the church has increased. I don't, doesn't it seem counterintuitive, right? It doesn't make sense, but it's the truth, folks. And God, it it doesn't make some of the things any easier, but it does give focus to it to realize that, you know what, God, maybe you're going to use this. And when you look at Christ, He didn't want to walk through that suffering. He wasn't a glutton for punishment, all right? But He was willing to do it because He saw what was on the other side, the salvation of our souls, amen? In the midst of adversity, I guess I need to get to point three here, point two. Be prepared to defend the hope within you, all right? Be prepared to defend the hope within you, all right? Be prepared to defend the hope within you. Number three, verses 1 through 11 of chapter 4. Therefore, since Christ suffered in His body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. So kind of a military term there, all right? Because whoever suffers in his body is done with sin. There's something about that. Suffering can purify us, folks. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing things that pagans choose to do. He's talking to Christians here, all right? So they were living in debauchery. That's behavior that comes from being drunk and you're ashamed of the things you did. Lust, okay, strong desires, and it usually has sexual connotation there. It can be for material things. Drunkenness, okay, orgies. Wow, you didn't even know you could use that term in church, huh? It's there in Scripture. Carousing, kind of there again, the drunkenness. Detestable idolatry. So, idolatry, there was a lot of idolatry in those days. I think it looks different in our world today. At least in our culture, there's still some cultures that very much use idolatry, uh, Buddhism, and things like that. They are surprised that you do not join with them in their wicked and recklessness with wild living and heap, and heap abuse on you because you don't join in with them. You ever, you know, I remember as being a teenager and I didn't go out and party with them. And so they didn't know how to deal with that. All right? I don't know if they heaped abuse on me, but I definitely felt like, you know, I felt that... Uh, I wasn't accepted sometimes as much because of those choices. Some of it was my own spirituality. Some of it was I was scared to death what would happen if my parents found out. All right? But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel is preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to the human standards in regard to the body. But they live according to God in regard to the Spirit. So when Jesus died on the cross, one thing to note here is that when He died on the cross, He died for our sins in the future, but He also died on the cross for the sins of those previously who had lived their lives by faith. Okay? So the sacrifices they offered were offered in faith that sustained them until Jesus died on the cross. When He died on the cross, His sacrifice covered their sin, but also our sin in the future, all right? Verse 7, this is a key part here. The end of all things is near, therefore be alert and sober-minded. So that, he's repeated, that's part of chapter 2 there as well. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Well, it's so easy to grumble, isn't it? Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Okay, know your gifts, use them, as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. So it all looks different. You're not all going to serve in the same way, you know. And I just look across here. I see somebody likes to serve in the kitchen. I see that uh, uh, finances. I see um, uh, hands-on. I see. Um, I see again some math. I see some building. I see sewing, okay? I've got a bunch of sewers there. I see music. I see a lot of different gifts. I see media. I see nursery. I see a lot of different things. Use your gifts to further the kingdom of God. If anyone speaks, he should do it, speaking the very words of God. Wow, that's serious. I always think about that as a pastor, that what I speak, I'm speaking for God. And so... You have to do your homework. They should do with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. What do we want to take away from here? Uh, First of all, he says to arm yourselves with that same attitude. Attitude's important, isn't it? You have a crummy attitude. Nobody wants to be around you. They pick up on it. Grumble, grumble, grumble. They pick up on it. But also our attitude, just that, that long-range attitude. So what, where I'm going with this is that in every war, usually in every war, there are many battles, right? And sometimes you're going to maybe lose a battle or two, but you still win the war. You following me? Okay? In any sports game, right? In a season, you're going to have many games, but you can still have a winning season, right? Yeah. You have to keep your eyes on the final result, that long-range attitude. And Peter is is very specific here. He says, hey, I don't want you guys out there grumbling. I know you're in suffering. You know, I wanted to be kind of... But he's saying, this isn't a time to be grumbling, complaining. It's not a time to be sitting on the sidelines and say, woe is me. It is a time to be engaged in using our gifts to the fullest potential and doing all that we can because our attitude has to be is not on this present moment, but it's on what is to come. You following that? So that third point is you have to stay focused on the end game. You have to stay focused on the end result of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. That is chapter one. So if you missed chapter one, go back and catch chapter one. But the end result of your faith is the salvation of your souls. And you have to stay focused on that. You have to stay focused on that end game that with any athletic competition, there's ups and downs. Teams that consistently win learn to battle through their failures, their challenges, their adversities. In a basketball game, you can guarantee it that even if you're up by 10, 20 points, it's almost like clockwork. There's going to be a... The other team is going to surge. They're going to surge, right? And to win... You have, to, you have to stop that surge, right? If you, can, if you can stop that surge that they make, then you're going to win the game. But we also know that there's teams that come from behind, and the other team can't stop the surge, and then the other team comes from way behind to win the game. It happens. So Amy and I watched the Nebraska volleyball team here the other night. It was on a Friday night, so it was a couple weeks ago. They were playing Minnesota. So both ranked pretty high. Nebraska was ranked a little bit higher than Minnesota. But they came out, and Nebraska just wasn't, it just wasn't clicking really good. And so they ended up winning one of the matches out of the four. So they lost, right? That was on a Friday. Well, guess what? They play Minnesota again on Sunday, two days later. And I, we didn't get to watch that game, but I, but I noticed on the TV, I think I saw it on TV. Guess who won? Nebraska won. Nebraska won, and guess what? They swept all three matches. It's kind of like, what's up with that? They went back, made adjustments, they worked harder, they fixed some things that weren't right, and they came back and they swept Minnesota all three matches. Isn't that incredible? Why? Because they realize that if they're going to get to the playoffs and all that, it's more than just one game. It's more than just one evening. They're playing a season. And so you work through those setbacks. You work through those difficulties to get to the other side. You know what? In church life, we're going to grow more in the valleys than we are on the mountaintops. I like the mountaintops. They're pretty cool. But you can't really live up there. Did you know that? Mountaintops are really hard to live on because they're just rock. Air's kind of thin. There's not much plant life up there. Not much wildlife either. It's beautiful view. Woo! You can feel the presence of God. But did you know we spend most of our life in the valleys? Working it out. And there's difficulties, there's hardships, there's setbacks, but that's where we grow. That's where we mature. That's who we become, who God's called us to be. Um You know what? And that's where our light shines. I want to close with just uh, these last few verses in chapter 4. I'm going to have the musicians come. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised that this fiery ordeal has come upon you to test you. So we don't know exactly what it was. We know it was persecution, but Peter describes it as a fiery ordeal, all right? He says, But do not be surprised as though something strange were happening to you. And I think that is our response when things happen in our life. We're surprised, we're shocked as fiery ordeal has come our way. Peter says, hey, it it comes with the territory of fallen Christ. I think it comes with being human too. but, But rejoice inasmuch as you are participating in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit and the glory of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should be as one, as a murderer or a thief, criminal, meddler. But don't let it be because you're serving Christ. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed because praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the house of God. If it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? It is hard for the righteous to be saved. What will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Mm, Rejoice. That is the pattern we see in Scripture. It goes against our human nature, folks. But that's where God can be glorified. So in the midst of adversity, we learn from Peter, bless, don't seek revenge, right? Bless and don't seek revenge. Be prepared to defend the hope within us and stay focused on that end game, the hope of heaven, eternity. Amen? Stay focused on that don't give up, persevere, draw deep. I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation and just a prayer over all of us. And uh, would you stand this morning as we do? Just commit our hearts and would you pray with me? If you haven't invited Christ in your life, you just don't know that you left today and you don't know if you have the hope of salvation. That's just a good sign that, hey, I know maybe about God, I've been in church, but maybe I just don't have that nailed down. And Scripture says we can know for sure. We can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are saved. And so um, I'm just going to lead us in a prayer of salvation and then a prayer over us today. Father, this morning we just come before you and we commit our hearts. And so let's just pray that prayer together, saying, Dear God, come into my heart and my life. Forgive me of all my sin. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness be my Lord and my Savior and walk with me each day even in the midst of adversity. Hallelujah. Father, this morning I ask your blessing upon your people. As a pastor, the last thing I want to see is for people to walk through difficult moments and hardship. And as a pastor, sometimes I feel You want to help people. You want to make things better. But many times those things are beyond me. And they have to rest within the hands of God. And Father, um, I just ask your blessing upon your people this morning. Maybe we're walking through that time of adversity right now. And it might not be because of our faith. It might be because we're just part of the human race And there is brokenness there. There is sickness. There's things break down. There's um, relationship issues. And things sometimes aren't always right in our world like we would like them to be. And so, Father, I pray that You would be with us in the midst of that adversity. But even there, Lord God, allow us to repay evil with good. Allow us let our light shine and to share the story, the hope within us. Hallelujah, Lord. Allow us to keep focused on that end, on that end game when you call us home. Father, let your blessing be with your people. Hallelujah. We're going to close with that chorus, King of My Heart. Would you join in in singing that? I'm going to be right over here if, um, if you need prayer this morning, um, we're going to pray for you. And uh, I'm going to have Matthew, if you join me up front as well. And, um, and so we're going to go to God in prayer, and Sarah, if you would too. So, yeah, praise God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and worship Him today. Amen. The Lord is good, Amen. He walks with us. He walks with us. And uh, amen. And uh, uh, Mary would appreciate our prayers. And uh, so if you want more details, you can just touch base with her and pray for her. Um, uh, on another note, uh, John Kruger was supposed to have come home yesterday. And uh, so um, he <laughs> He never was able to get any rehab in, so I don't know what was working there, but uh, definitely keep him in your prayers, so he has rehab to go, but I guess it's going to be done from home, so he's still on oxygen, but the tracheotomy and all that is out, um, uh, but we just, uh, just just continue to pray and lift them up, and uh, yeah, amen, praise God. Hey, God bless you this morning. Love on each other as you, as you go, welcome each other, uh, you know, and uh, Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Amen.